Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about bringing military leadership to construction with the help of special guest Cody Ross of Irons Brothers Construction in Shoreline, Washington. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hello, everyone. Tim Fowler here. Welcome to the show. So, this is a topic today that I never thought that we would be discussing until some conversations led us uh, to that. Now, we've talked a lot about bringing commercial concepts into our world, uh, things like lean, uh, requests for information or RFIs, uh, scheduling are among uh, some of those job logs are a part of that as well. But I never thought that we'd be talking about leadership functions from the military. So one of the things I have thought about is that maybe in our companies, what we need is less management. I've heard somebody say one time, nobody wants to be managed, but more leadership. But I never really thought about it from a military standpoint. So I've never served in the military. Um, I had, I don't know if it's a distinction or not, but back when, even when I was eligible for the draft, registration for the draft had been totally eliminated and then it was reinstituted some years later. So I'm one of the few Americans that never even had to register uh, for the draft. And I guess maybe one of the things about it is I just thought taking orders just really wouldn't sit well with me. So <laughs> I probably wouldn't have uh, lasted very long. Of course, they might have broken me, I guess. And maybe that would have been a good thing as well. But I have known a fair number of senior military members uh, here in Rhode Island. We have the War College. And every you get to meet people who are pretty far up. Uh, I remember talking with uh, one of the officers there, just asking him about what he thought leadership was. And it was funny because he said, uh, well, in the name, it's the three D. And I said, the three D's. He goes, yeah, decide, delegate and disappear. And so, <laughs> now somehow I don't think that's really true. I think that's just a joke that they pass around or that it even works. But anyway, I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to mention that. So our guest today uh, called me about some advice on their uh, debrief processes uh, for jobs. And as we got to talking, he threw a couple of military terms out there. And then we started talking about his background. And I said, man, like so many of you out there, you get, you know, I just suck you in with this nice, uh, charming personality of mine. And all of a sudden, you're on the show. So I'm really interested to talk with our guest today about his view, his experience in the military, and then how that translates to what he's doing in remodeling. Steve? So, Tim, before we get started, I want to take a quick break for a message. We have an event coming up in March uh, that I want to let all the listeners know about. It used to be called the Master Your Modeling Business Workshop, and last year we renamed it, revamped it. It is now the Extreme Business Makeover. 
is two days interactive presentations, hands-on work. It helps you prepare your business for 2020 and beyond. You'll walk away from the event with action items, spreadsheets, books, tools, everything you need to get back to your office and crush it for the remainder of the year. The best part is the interaction and networking with remodelers and custom builders just like you. We just also added Bruce Case as a featured speaker. He's the president of Case Remodeling in Washington, D.C. area. He'll be sharing his insight on what it takes to run a highly successful and profitable company. You won't want to miss that. Plus, Tim will be speaking as well. It is being held March 30th and 31st at the BWI Weston in Baltimore. It's a five-minute Uber ride from the hotel to the airport, so it's easy in, easy out. And for the listeners of the show, you can enter promo code VIP to receive $400 off the registration. It's set to be a truly amazing event. So for that information, you can go to www.extrememakeovereventcom If you have any additional questions after that, you can email me directly, steve at remodelersadvantage.com. So let's get back to the show. Cody Ross is our guest today. He has been with Irons Brothers Construction in Shoreland, Washington, he is currently the project manager and has successfully managed the company's largest project to date, largest in scope, size, and sale price. Welcome to the show, Cody. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, so uh, this is, like I said in the intro, this is kind of exciting for me. I think we need more leadership in this, uh, in this business and less uh, management, so to speak. So I know there's been a little transition for you at uh, Irons Brothers, but tell us what your role is right now and... And tell, just tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I started at the company as a carpenter's apprentice, and then I moved all the way up to production manager to fill a void. And after doing that for almost a year, I decided that it's best for me to manage projects instead of managing the people that manage them. Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good thing for everybody to understand is that just because you think it's moving up, doesn't mean everybody fits into that role. And so you, I, I love the way you say it. You're, you love managing the projects, not necessarily managing the people. And that's the big distinction between a production manager and a project manager. So about the military. So give us a little bit of information, as long as it's not classified, uh, <laughs> about what you did in the military and maybe – why, why do you have the credential to start talking about these things? Um, so I served in the Marine Corps from April 2005 to December 2014. Um, I was a combat engineer, so it's a, a very wide open field. We do everything from infantry-style things to construction, bridge building, and things of that nature, so... So is that, is that kind of like putting in airfields and building bridges and things like that? Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, we could do in the Marine Corps. The combat engineer field was broken down into three different areas within the Marine Corps, but we all went to the same school. Wow. So th so construction is kind of in your background then? Oh, yeah. I, my dad's a spec builder. I've been on a job site since I can remember. <laughs> oh, you're one of those. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so let's just get right down to the, the basics here. Now, when we were talking again pre-podcast uh, uh, here, there were five basic things that you felt 
transferred well from the military world uh, into the construction world. So we're going to just go through those five things. So the first one was just the organization of the unit. What do you mean by that? Um, in the Marine Corps, it starts off at the smallest team level. You have a fire team, uh, which is four people. You have a squad, which is made up of three fire teams, so 12 to 13 people. And then that moves up to a platoon, and then a company, and then a battalion. So I focus, or I think what's most applicable is that uh, squad and team-level leadership tactics. So what would be the team uh, on a, in a construction company versus a squad? Um, the fire team would be the in-house laborer, the project manager, maybe other carpenters and laborers, things like that, a really small knit units. Okay, and then how does that relate then to a squad? What, what uh, I'm assuming there's, there, you say there are three fire teams to a squad? Correct. And so then how does that translate then? The squad becomes pretty much the company then? Uh, the squad becomes the company and our designers and things like that. So we're getting bigger now, bringing more people in to achieve a common goal. Okay, so why does the why does this make a difference to you from from a military standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint in a construction company? Why does having this distinction make make sense to you? I'm a very much stay in your lane kind of person. Okay. So if I'm given, you're responsible for A to G, all right, then this person has the next group and the next grouping. And um, everybody has their own responsibilities and parts that they play to accomplish something. Okay. So it's, so it's about developing a team that has specific responsibilities at different levels. Is that Correct. kind of the way to look at it? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Now, the second thing was commander's intent. And I, as I've been thinking about this, is I've got an idea about what this means, but I'm kind of interested to hear, like, give us an example in the military and then give us some examples or an example in the construction world. Well, the, the basic definition of commander's intent is it describes what success would be at the end of an operation or just generally the end state. So there's a, a set of given guidelines that we have, and you need to achieve this. And that's commander's intent. What happens from the beginning until you reach the end of the mission or an operation, it doesn't exactly matter as long as the end state is achieved. Okay. So uh, how does that translate then to your lead as your role as a project manager or a production manager for that matter? Uh, in terms of uh, a remodeling company? How, how do you interpret that as a leadership function in a remodeling company? I take the proposal or the work order that we have for the entire project, and the end state is this brand-new kitchen or this brand-new bathroom, and I go through the scope of work, and that's my guidelines to get there. Okay, so once that's done, once that scope of work is done, you've achieved – commander's intent correct yep okay now i'm i'm i know uh sometimes we get a little nervous on these podcasts and stuff but i'm going to assume there's also a budgetary responsibility in there as well not just Absolutely. scope of work correct yeah, yeah so you've okay. got 35 hours to do all this millwork or you know something to that effect we only have 10 hours for demo because all we're doing is 
taking out cabinets and the floors and the sheetrock and everything stays. We're doing a one for one, for example. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So the third one, it was small unit leadership slash delegation of authority. Talk to, talk to us a little bit about the Marine Corps side of that. And then how does that translate over to a remodeling company? Delegation of authority is everything to me. So if you're on site and something is going on, you are best suited to make that decision. You may call me and say, hey, I have a problem. These are the three things that I think would be best. And I would say, okay, what do you think you should do? I'm not there. I can give you advice based off of the phone call, but you're the one there. You're the one deep in it and you're best suited to make the choice. So I believe that a project manager or a team leader, you know, they need to be given that authority to make decisions and make calls and to move forward to achieve the desired end state. So does this also relate to your trade contractors? So in other words, if you're not on site and a trade contractor calls you, is it permissible within your world of leadership that that, that delegation be, uh, be given to a trade contractor as well? To an extent, definitely. If they call me and say, hey, this is unsafe and I have to fix this before I move forward, then absolutely right. you have to fix it. Okay. All right. What about just a, a shift in the plan or a shift in the, the uh, look of things or, you know, I mean, we've got to move this cabinet over, you know, three inches because the plumbing isn't going to work. That does not sound like fun. <laughs> now, at that point, we would have missed something much larger if, for that. Right. And so that would definitely bring a pause, a momentary okay. pause, and I would go there and figure out what's going on. But if it's if it's something simple, hey, all the switches and receptacles in this house are Decora and not standard, and on the spec sheet, it's a standard. Well, right. Go with Decora then. Yeah. Something simple, easy like that, it's going to match. It's not going to be earth shattering, you know, when a client sees it. Okay. All right, cool. So the next one is backwards planning. What does that mean? Again, give us an example, maybe from your Marine Corps days and then translate it over for us to the construction world. So in preparation for a larger mission or operation, we would receive what's called a five paragraph order, which we'll get to later, but, at the end of it, you know, it says we will begin at 0830 on February 27th. All right. And then the meeting, the operation order is done. It's given. And so you go to your team and you say, Hey, this is when we're stepping off for this mission. So now we need to backwards plan. We need to achieve this. So we need to do all this stuff in reverse plan in reverse. And so I do the same thing in construction with my two week outlook. I need to be ready for cabinet installation two weeks from now, and this is where I'm at, what do I need to get done between these two weeks to make sure that it's ready? Or it's just as simple as I need to be at work at eight in the morning and it's nine o'clock at night right now. So (laughs) I know that I need to get up at five so I can shower, let my dogs out, eat breakfast, get my kid up, et cetera, and be, you know, be on the road. Yeah. This is a concept that I'm really been pushing Uh, commercial world. They call it pull scheduling uh, backwards planning for you. And, uh, it, and again, it's something that came to me. I don't know if it was the vision or what it was uh, about a year ago when I started thinking like, why is it so hard to hit the end date on a schedule? And 
part of it was we're always talking about start dates. We're never mm-hmm. talking about end dates. And I think what you're talking about here is, you know, well, what's the end date? So if it's a mission kickoff, in my view, that would be like the end of the schedule. Mm-hmm. So what, what has to happen in order for us to hit that? And if we have any chance of hitting it, we have to have those milestones. Correct. Not starting them, but ending. Like, how do we end things? So it's another another great way of, uh, of looking at this same this same concept. Very cool. All right. Now, what in the world is the end of week stand down? What is that? So I realized that our production meeting and safety meeting was extremely bloated. <laughs> and it, I still think it takes too long, but everybody would show up and turn in their receipts in the morning, Monday morning at 745. And then we would sit there and put in everybody's camera card and download the pictures and label them and then save them to the correct client file. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So uh, Friday afternoons, I have told the team between three and five, show up, give me your camera card and I will file the pictures. And that's their time with the production manager and their individual planning time as well. And then they take the time to clean out the van, refit the van or reset and, you know, if they don't need to do that, then show up at 4.45 and give me your camera card and go home. Or if you need a lot more planning time, show up a little earlier if you have a lot to go over. So it's just a way to be more efficient going into the next week. And so does your, did your team respond pretty well to that idea when you, when you started initiating that? Absolutely. It, was, uh, it took that rushed feeling off of Friday, I think. Okay. Where they were all right, I've got to get this done and then I can go back to the office and really plan out for next week or the next two weeks or uh, get this burning question answered or get some clarity on something. Yeah, it's got to be better to not have all those people sitting there while one person's camera card's being downloaded. It seems like a huge waste. Uh, I think you hit a great thing uh, on the head there. Mm-hmm. It's They've been very receptive and again, just Bringing the team back together at the end of the week, I think is good and makes everybody happy. Cool. All right. So from a mil- again, from a military leadership standpoint, what about unseen challenges or even mistakes that occur? Because it's got to be, I mean, like if you're building something in the Marine Corps for whatever purpose, you got to have the same challenges we have in terms of you know, there, there are mistakes that occur or maybe unforeseen conditions like that. What did your military background uh, give you in terms of dealing with some of that in the remodeling world? Contingency plans. Ah, okay. We plan to do it uh, by model A, but if model A doesn't work, then we're going to go to B. And if B doesn't work, we're going to go to C. And I guess if that doesn't work, then maybe we should think about scrapping the plan or putting a pause on it. But um, can, we you, always can, you give us, can you give us an example from a military standpoint? I'm just kind of curious what that would look like uh, for the Marines. Um, simply as we are, my first time in Iraq, we were kind of a mobile construction platoon. So okay. we would go out in the middle of the desert and build up a patrol base for some infantry unit. Okay. So we would bring everything with us on, you know, big tractor trailer uh, style trucks. And so let's say one of those gets blown up and then half of our materials are gone. Right. Now what do we do? Okay. 
And so you'd actually have, did, was it a written plan that said, if we lose one of our convoy, then that this is what we'll do? Correct, yeah. So it oh, cool. was a bump plan. We'll take all the equipment and personnel from this truck and put it in the bump truck. And then, you know, we'll go to the next nearest base that has lumber and, you know, replace what we need to, and then we'll continue on. Okay, so jump over to the remodeling world. How does that, what does that look like, remodeling world for you? Uh, it looks like to me finding, for example, asbestos buried in walls. So I had a project in the Capitol Hill neighborhood probably two years ago now. And during the feasibility review or the feasibility walk at the job site, we didn't find any asbestos. We took samples down in the basement. It was open in the ceiling, all nice, clean ducting. Great, fantastic. And so we start stripping the walls and all of a sudden every heat run in this kitchen that's going up to the second story of the house is wrapped in asbestos. Right. So that's a challenge that throws a wrench in the plans. And hey, it's $10,000 more if you want this open concept. Yeah. Now, now again, just kind of getting back to it. Did you, did you before the job started, did you, did you actually think about like, what are we going to do if we hit asbestos someplace else? No, not on that project. But okay. now it has become a thing where all right, if we, if the abatement cannot be afforded, then what are we going to do to achieve part of the dream concept or the scope of work? We can open up the wall by three feet instead of eight feet, or, you know, we can give you a peninsula instead of an island. You know, I, at least I think about these things and I go into it when I'm doing demo and when I'm framing something too, like, oh, I hope that's not a bunch of dry rot and stuff behind that wall, for example. And you know, how am I going to frame something differently? Yeah, this is, this is a great, a great concept. The idea of at least thinking about it beforehand, as opposed to just, I, I joke about the fact that people build schedules by thinking, if all goes well, we should be able to finish by such and such a time. And then of course, everybody in the audience just starts laughing because it never goes well. I mean, some jobs go pretty smoothly, but it's never just like everything works perfect, not never, but ne almost never does everything <laughs> work perfectly. And actually stopping to think like, okay, what are we going to do if something like this occurs? I think mm -hmm. it really helps in scheduling, but also budgeting as well. So I just, this, um, the example you gave of the materials getting blown up, I mean, that really puts into perspective <laughs> having a few lumber runs, I mean, <laughs> poor planning or all of your materials get blown up. This has been great. So, Cody, uh, we do a lot internally here about um, the accountability experience and a lot of what you've laid out really falls in line there. And that delegation of uh, authority, how do you feel? Does that really lead itself to the actual ownership of that? How does the them being able to have that make them more accountable? I think you said it, Steve. It makes them own the project. They're given the authority to make these calls and make these decisions, and that turns into ownership and ultimately responsibility. And I, a lot of people don't want to take responsibility, and they want to – play the blame game and well that's not my fault how could i have known that and well yep. okay you couldn't have but at the end of the day you're responsible for that project and you need to develop an action plan to fix this or to make sure it doesn't happen yeah and that also builds that muscle you know of of having that authority so when you uh did you know the people from irons brothers before you 
interviewed for the job? No, I had never met them. And and how, when you went through the interview process and, and spoke of your military experience, did you foresee that you'd be able to take these principles from the military and put them, you know, really adapt them and lay them over into your into the project management uh, job? Or, or did it kind of happen organically? It just happened organically. And I mean, it was beat into my brain for 10 years. <laughs> In the Marine Corps, so it's one of those things that I can't get rid of and I can't yeah. avoid. And you know, I'm a 15 minutes prior person because that's what you do in the Marine Corps. If you're on time, you're late. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So going back to the trade partners, um, again, a little bit. I don't understand all the dynamics of uh, the military, but um, what do you? What is the? What did it teach you about underperforming? Uh, trade partners or maybe trade partners that don't help you succeed. What, what did the military teach you about that? Um, there's a standard for everything. And if you're not meeting the standard, then you can leave or lead, follow, get out of the way, or you have two more chances to meet the standard and then we have a problem. Okay. So in other words, you're talking about holding trade partners accountable as well as your team. Absolutely. It can be as simple as, hey, you didn't sweep up yesterday. I'm not happy about it and the client's not happy about it. And that's one thing that we tell the client to do. Or, hey, you're three hours late. Where were you? You know, you're <laughs> starting to affect my schedule now. And this is our standard. And you agreed to it when so you chose to work with us. Putting you a little bit on the spot here. At Irons Brothers, are those standards written and spelled out and that your subs actually have a standard, uh, a chance to approve them? Oh, absolutely. We have a okay. subcontractor agreement that they must sign before they work with us. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's getting to be kind of a standard thing. There's not too many companies that really enforce it. And that's what I'm finding is a lot of people have a document that, that Bob, the electrical owner signs in January every year, but Sue, or Bill out on the job site has no idea what it says. And so yeah. uh, the enforcement of it, I think, is really, really important. Absolutely. Well, on our job sites, you know, we still have the site binder, but uh, most everything is in builder trend now. Yeah. But, you know, in the site binder, there's what we had the pre-construction conference, which is um, kind of customer preferences. Right. You know, which door to come into, where where our cut stations can be, where we want you to wash dirty tools, things like that, what kind of music they want you to play. And then, you know, it's kind of all about the client and then that the subcontractor guidelines are still in there. So we don't allow any smoking on our job sites. So if you want to, you got to go down the street, for example. So you actually have the subcontractor agreement on site. So anybody in your company can point it out to a subcontractor and, that's a great idea to have at least one copy of it right there uh, on the site. The, the client can see it. Everybody can see it. And it's a great way to make sure people uh, stay on task. Yeah, we're very transparent. So, yeah. So the military is really keen on acronyms, right? <laughs> I mean, it's Absolutely. like everywhere you turn around, there's a word made out of letters. And so uh, there's a couple here that, that you had mentioned to me. Uh, so what is BAMCIS, B-A-M-C-I-S? So BAMCIS is a planning tool that we use to further plan. Uh, it stands for begin the planning, arrange for reconnaissance, 
make reconnaissance, complete the plan, issue the order, and then supervise. That's cool. One more time, Cody, so everybody can get this. One more time. This is really cool. Again, I'm getting about this, okay? So what, what does this stand for again? Stands for begin the planning, arrange for reconnaissance, make reconnaissance, complete the plan, issue the order, and supervise. All right, so tell us how that works with your, your company. What, what does that mean for you guys as a company? Um, I haven't really spread that out, but it kind of happens yep. organically or internally. Anyways, we get a phone call or we get a lead, and it's very simple or very convoluted. But at any rate, you know, this is what they want to do. So I, I'm already thinking about building it in my mind. And all right, well, we've got pictures, and how are we going to do this? And so that's beginning the planning. Arrange okay. for recon. Hey, we're going to come see your house now so we can get a conceptual or visualize if it's even possible to do what you say you want to do. Okay. Um, I guess I typed in arrange and make recon yep. together there. But yep. complete the plan. And so kind of a lot of steps in between there, but pairing a client with a designer, um, an architect if we need to. We're working on the proposal and scope and the estimates and everything like that. and once we have all that is complete the plan. Uh, issue the order would be, we have the whole proposal typed up. You know, we are going to work in this area of the house. We're going to do a kitchen remodel with these kind of cabinets, this kind of flooring, all these things, and then finally supervise. So, so just really, what, what does the supervise mean from, from your standpoint as a project manager? What, what, what does that involve? Uh, it means managing the schedule, managing trade partners, confirming scheduling, uh, all of the above, making sure that the labor that I have on site is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I mean, really, even myself, okay. if I'm doing the work, hey, <laughs> I have this is my list of things I need to get done today. Cool. All right. So that's a good one. BAMSYST. All right. Everybody got that. That's a good one. So uh, the other one you have here is, I can't even say it, but it's O-S-M-E-A-C. Osmiak? Correct. All right, I got it. I'm speaking another language here today. Mm -hmm. So what is that? So Osmiak is part of the five-paragraph order. And so just a very quick background on the five-paragraph order. Everybody that's in NATO we all agreed that this is how we will all write operations orders. So it's a standard format. So if uh, the Danish military, if we're working with them and they're leading this operation, it's the same format. Everybody can follow it and it's all in a nice neat little box. Okay. And so it's the five paragraph order, or I guess really six now because they put the O in the beginning, but it's, <laughs> it's literally how we write an operations order. And so the orientation Literally where we are, the direction we're facing, the terrain, the obstacles in the area, uh, situation, enemy and friendly forces, attachments and detachments. So that would be, you know, Irons Brothers, and then we're going to have help from Tradesman International, and then these are the electricians, these are the plumbers, the framing contractor. Um, moving to mission is the five W's, who, what, when, where, why. Very simple. So that could be the scope. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to do it this way, utilizing these products. Um, 
execution is the commander's intent, the end okay. state, uh, and concept of operations. So big picture sort of things. And then admin and logistics, beans, bolts, and band-aids, bad guys. So that's uh, <laughs> lumber, plumbing suppliers, uh, you know, things and, like that. And band-aids. <laughs> yeah, and band-aids is on there too, yep. And then command and signal. So that would be, you know, succession of command. Who do you call if you have a problem? Or this is the client's phone number, the electrician's phone number. This is what we do in case somebody gets hurt. So this is, so is it really just five paragraphs? I mean, this sounds like a, like a book. Oh, it can absolutely be a book. I've sat in six hour mission briefings before and you're just like, oh my goodness. So it's more than five paragraphs, but it's five basic distinct or six in this case. Correct. Distinct functions. Yep. Oh man, this is so cool. Cody, this has been a great, you know, a little bit of a a diversions we normally talk about, but just some great concepts in here. And I really appreciate you taking some time and I wish you all the best as you get back out there as a project manager. Thank you, Tim. It's been fun. Tim, I love it when we go a little off the normal path, (laughs) but this really fit into uh, what we talk about across the board. And obviously all the respect to Cody and anyone in the military service, uh, but, you know, translatable to remodeling, I was all ears. The acronyms, I, I love. My favorite part. Yeah, I can, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, what would be some cool acronyms for the remodeling <laughs> industry? We can come up with some some things like that. There, Obviously, there's a couple things in there that I got excited about. I, I love the idea of a contingency plan and not just assuming everything's going to go well. I think we understand it from a military standpoint that there's all kinds of things that can go wrong in a war zone, particularly not, not as much when it's dealing with, you know, stuff in the United States, but in a war zone, but the idea of sort of looking at a remodeling job in that way and saying, you know what, what will we do if we hit asbestos? What will we do if we hit, uh, plumbing in this wall. What will we do if the outside wall has rot in it? Those kinds of things are really good to talk about ahead of time, as opposed to like being surprised and then and then having to create the plan after that. And it's you know I would always do that type of contingency plan, but leading up to demolition. But then I would not plan for the cabinet coming damaged. Or things like that. So yeah, if you yeah. go all the way through, I think that's really important. And and once again, the perspective of your materials g- getting blown up is still yeah, that's kind of weird. The is. other thing, and I, you know, we've hit a couple of different times this backward thing idea. It's a hot topic for me. I'm trying really hard to push companies to plan backwards from the for sales to plan backwards. In other words, if we're going to start a job. March 1st, Yep. when does the job have to be signed? When do we have to make selections, all that? And then for the construction team to plan backwards, okay, we need to be done by June 1st. What does that mean in terms of milestones? And it just, the more I talk to people, the more that's the way the real world gets it done. We've got it messed up because we're always talking about start dates instead of end dates. And so I think that's a big thing for me as well. 
Yep. Well, once again, we really want to thank Cody Ross for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working really hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.